Hello, hello, welcome to episode 146 of Ordinary to Extraordinary, another episode of me chatting to you guys, people that still listen, um, minus Ben, uh, he's been gone for a bit, no guest host this week, we'll have one next week, and today I talked about ethics, talked about ethics and life in general, but I also got down the rabbit hole of talking about non-profits and, and some advice on what and why you should look at what a non-profit does and how they do it rather than just blindly giving to non-profits that may have high overheads and may not be the best stewards of any kind of donation you give them. Also, just warned about the pitfalls of assuming that non-profits mean ethical. So, yeah, uh, episode 146, uh, here we go. Alright, today we're going to go a little bit off script, we're going to talk about ethics. When I say off script, I mean I'm probably going to say some things that offend some people. I'm going to say some things that people don't like in terms of friends, family, co-workers, uh, people's own jobs. I'm going to talk a little bit about ethics. Um, yeah, and some things that I think are unethical versus not unethical. So, here we go. Uh, episode 146, I believe. Let's get going on that. Oh, before we do that, if you like listening to me or any of our older episodes with Ben and guests, which we're going to have more guests moving forward, uh, I promise, please rate, review and share. I know that's kind of... So press pause now and do it. I know it's a pain in the butt, but please, please, please rate, review, share... Um, Tell someone about the podcast, write a review, give us a star rating. It only works on Apple. The Apple algorithm seems to control all of our new listenership. So if you guys could help out with that, it would be much appreciated. If you're a regular listener and you have not written a review, why the hell not? The pause was for dramatic effect. I want you to rate and review, please. And thank you. Uh, quick update, what's going on, what's been new, what's happening. Um, I'm recording this the day after my soccer team lost in playoffs despite dominating a game. Outshot a team, I want to say 25 to 5-ish or more. And when I say shots, serve were quality and theirs were kind of dribbled through to our goalkeeper. I unfortunately did not get the win. We tied 0-0 and um, yeah, it sucked. We lost on a penalty shootout and... That's probably the worst way to lose a game of football. But it used to be worse. It used to be that they tossed a coin and you didn't really get to control your own destiny. Um, it's all experience. The girls will be better for it. And it was a heck of a season. So that's the update on that. I'm a little bit closer to moving to Florida. Did some things today to uh, move that process down the line. Um, and here in the next couple of weeks at least I'll probably have some concrete dates. It was funny, I went for uh, lunch last week with a couple of friends and they're kind of agitated by how non-moved um, I am by any of this, how how little it's affecting me and why I don't think it's a big deal. But um, <laughs> I think I've talked about that ad nauseum on the podcast here that I just handle things a little bit differently and I don't get nervous and... If I do, it's certainly not about something as trivial as moving somewhere new. So, 
yeah, I realise for some people that's a big deal, but for me it's just a place and my friends and my family and people that I care about are still going to be where they are, whether I'm there or not. So, yeah. Anyway, let's get to talking about ethics. What are they? So, I actually, I'm going to do something that Ben and I used to do a lot. I'm going to talk about a dictionary definition and then I'm going to give my definition. So, the dictionary, or at least Google's version of the dictionary, says that ethics is moral principles that govern a person's behavior or the conducting of an activity. I think that's fairly accurate, but I think it could be summed up much simpler than that. I think ethics is doing what's right instead of what's self-serving, even when nobody's looking. And notice, it's kind of a play on a quote that do the right thing even when no one's looking, but there's more to it than that. You can do the right thing and it be self-serving, or you can do the wrong thing and it be self-serving. I think the self-serving part is important. Um, And I wanted to talk a little bit about the genesis of my thought on ethics. I think we all believe that we're ethical. We all believe that we're good people. And I think for the most part, most of us are. Um, But the genesis of this is basically what I was just talking about. I've, I've kind of put myself back in the soccer world a little bit. Not club soccer, not paid. Um, Yeah, I get paid a little bit for coaching, but I've also (laughs) given most of it away already in different ways. I didn't do any of this for any of the monetary benefits. Um, High school coach gets paid, I want to say, about five grand for a season. Um, Maybe a little less than that. One's taxation and all the rest of it. I didn't do it for the money. I did it because I saw an opportunity to help a friend build a program, establish a program, and grow what could be the basis of a perennial state championship contender year on year on year. Um, High school coaching has always appealed to me, mostly because I didn't think you had to deal with parents as much. I'm going to try and talk high level here. I'm not going to name any names. I'm not going to say anything that I probably shouldn't, but I'm going to tell a story. Um... So I left the club soccer world for a few reasons, and I may have touched on them before. Uh, One was for sanity, you know, late nights, early mornings, eating like shit, uh, no weekends or evenings to yourself, no time for a personal life, no time to date people, no time to hang out with your friends. That takes its toll, and I jumped into the club soccer thing, all in, gung-ho, feet first, um, head first, if you even worse, Um, and really was underwater. I was doing so much myself, um, didn't really trust other people to do it, not because of lack of ethics, which we're talking about today, more so because I didn't trust people's competence to do it as well as I could. Um, So there was my sanity, there was my health, uh, physical health. I think the heaviest I ever was was while I was running the soccer club, which terrified me because I never wanted to be the coach that, a kid would say, when was the last time you ran coach? Um, And then stress levels. I didn't know I was stressed until after I'd left and realized that, yeah, I'd been stressed for a long time and hadn't dealt with it. So I left for those reasons. One of them I didn't even know, like I said, until after I'd left. Um, And there was a lot of talk when I left, a lot of talk about, well, what happened? Did did Stephen get fired? Did Stephen... to cut a long story short, no, I didn't. I walked away. I It was time. I'd 
different differences of opinions with the people I was working with. I had differences of direction, i.e. I wanted to play the long game, the infinite game, if you like. I wanted to build sustainability as opposed to wondering how we were going to perform year on year, what what metrics we were going to follow, changing it to suit. Um, I wanted to build a program from the bottom all the way up and not just recruit and cherry pick and all the rest of it. Um, so, yeah, I walked away. Um, a lot of people back then in 2014 didn't quite, get that I could walk away and be at peace and not be vindictive. Um, you know, I stayed away for a long time. I didn't talk shit. I didn't share inside knowledge that I had that could have ruined the club. Didn't share inside knowledge about other clubs. I literally just walked away and put myself on a path to peace. Um, took me a while before I was even willing to do some guest sessions, which I did for my friend Brian. But I went back to coaching because it was on my terms. I went back to coach this fall because it was on my terms. I had discussion with uh, Tierra, the coach that I work with, um, and basically laid it out what I would and wouldn't do, what I was willing to, to expose myself to, the type of program I wanted to run, what the expectations were, and we were on the same page. So I want to go on the record and say I've had an absolute blast. But to bring this back to the point is the genesis of this was a discussion I had last week with a player around accountability, around things that we can control and not control. Um, you know, and, and I, th I would I'll say this, I think a parent made a poor decision. It affected uh, one of the players who we had a rule and we enforced that rule um, and it didn't sit right with the parent and essentially it descended into that parent having some issues and reaching out to assistant uh, uh sorry um athletic directors and principals and thankfully they had her back as a coaching staff and like i said i'm going to be pretty bland on this i don't want to go into specifics but it made me think um the ethics of of what was being insinuated versus what was what was being done so like i said we asked for accountability we asked someone to own a situation and go and, and and take some actions to to fix that situation and rather than them doing that i don't know where somewhere along the line wires got crossed and all of a sudden it, it wasn't just about taking ownership it was uh belittling and and singling out which was not the case was never the case would never be the case so i guess on one level, I hope it was just a misinterpretation. On the other, I think it was manipulative and unethical how how it was uh, portrayed by the uh, by the other party. So I doubt that person will ever hear this. If they do, I'd love to have a conversation, an adult conversation. That hasn't happened. Everything was done by email. I did not respond to any emails, FYI. Um, I'm more of a, hey, can we take this offline? Can we talk face-to-face? because I believe that emails are the best way to to lose a lose track of a conversation that becomes email should be informational not conversational so um, yeah I, I think my, the reason this is a genesis for me talking about ethics is I think often people don't look at why things are said and done and want 
and they don't have discussions around that rather than making accusations and jumping to the wrong conclusions. So, you know, for me, I've always believed that whether people love you or hate you, it's always better that they do it because you stood for what you believed in, you had principles, and you were trying to do the right thing. Trying to do the right thing by your own standards might not be the right thing for the greater good, but in the moment, if you can walk away knowing that you did the right thing with the information at hand, I think that's a good thing. Um, so I think it's also important at this point to, to acknowledge that your cause can be the right cause, but methods and how you achieve what you want can be bad. I'm going to give a pretty extreme example here. So I was born in Scotland, raised Catholic. My family on my mother's side are Irish, um, Irish Catholic from the Republic of Ireland. Um, if you're familiar with the Troubles in Ireland, there's uh, there's two sides. There's the, the, the Unionists and the Republicans. And the Republicans tend to be Catholic and want Northern Ireland to be part of the the whole island, want Northern Ireland to be part of what they call the Free State. It used to be called the Free State of Ireland, now it's the Republic of Ireland. Um, the Unionists, due to being Protestant, um, have the Queen of England uh, as their head of state, as their, their church elder. They want the Northern Ireland to remain part of the UK. So... Catholics and Protestants, hundreds of years of fighting. One wants to be part of the UK, one wants to be part of Ireland. The Good Friday Agreement, I think from 97 or 98, basically lets you choose regardless of where you were born. Brexit might throw a wrench in this, but that's a whole different subset. But where I'm going with this is, I believe wholeheartedly in the cause of the Irish Republican Army. I believe that the north of Ireland should be part of the Free State. I believe it should be one country, one island. If you don't like it, go somewhere else kind of thing, right? Um, that probably appeals to most Americans. What I don't agree with and what I think is ethically abhorrent is the IRA bombing people and things like that. So if you think back 20, 30 years ago, it was commonplace for there to be a bomb somewhere and innocent people to die to try and make a point. So again, it's an extreme example, but it's an example of where your cause can be good, but how you do it can be unethical. And I think that's important to keep in mind as we're talking about ethics. So why are ethics important? I think it's, it's, it goes without saying, really. Um, but trust, you can build trust, you can establish trust, you can maintain trust if you're an ethical person. All right. And again, if you go back to my, my, uh, my definition, Doing what's right instead of what's self-serving, even when nobody's looking. You can always point to that. You're going to establish trust, all right? Your reputation. Your reputation is going to be built on your ethics. Your reputation is going to be built off of do you do what you say when you say you're going to do it, all right? And your legacy. Your legacy can be can be tarnished so much with... so. They say that reputation and legacy can take years and years to build and seconds to destroy. And ethics is going to be the number one thing there. Um, yeah, be the person that says what says what you're going to do, when you're going to do it, and follow through on it. All right. So the other reason that I wanted to bring up ethics, um, and 
I want to preface this with saying not all non-profits are bad, but not all non-profits are good. So I've been having a lot of discussions with people recently um, about donations and people reaching out looking for money and non-profits struggling because of COVID and not being able to have events. Um, and frankly, I don't think all non-profits need to survive COVID. I think some non-profits need to go away. I think some non-profits need to revisit what they do, how they do it, and why they do it. Um, and I'm going to I'm going to elaborate on this. Like I said at the start, some people are going to hate this, especially if you work for a non-profit, especially if you have friends or family that work for a non-profit, and especially if you're donating to non-profits and take the advice I'm going to give you to look at how much of the money you give them actually gets to what you think it's going to get to. So, putting the non-profit label on something does not make it ethical. My number one thing I'll point to here is soccer clubs. Okay, youth soccer clubs. The majority of them are set up as 501c3 non-profits. 501c3 is a tax code or a tax uh, classification. So there's different kinds of non-profits. There's 501c3, there's 501c6. C6 would be like a professional organization, like a, a chamber of commerce or a young professionals group. C3s are, it's more general than that. And churches do not fall under certain categories. And it, it's interesting. And churches, not all churches are ethical either. And, you know, you can look at a Joel Osteen or any of, you know, some of these super churches that, the, the main pastors are millionaires pushing pushing into the hundreds of millions. Um, I wonder where the ethics there are as well, but I digress. So, non-profits. Here's some things I would like for people to think about with non-profits. And again, I'm not trying to insult anybody. If you are insulted, I've al I always say to people, you can choose to be insulted or you can choose to listen to the point of view and maybe dive into it a little bit and see if there's any credibility to what I'm saying. All right. Most employees at nonprofits are good people with good intentions who believe they are doing good things. And often they are doing good things. However, when you look at the economics of nonprofits, often you can find a lot of unanswerable questions, okay? As I discuss this, as I am telling you this, I'm going to talk about a specific Spokane area nonprofit. I will not name it, but I will give details. I am looking at the Form 990 right now of a nonprofit which gets a lot of donations from the community. I'm looking at salaries of four listed employees, but they have many, many more employees. For some reason, all their employees are not listed. A CEO salary of almost $180,000, along with expenses or other compensation of $25,000. So let's just conservatively say $200,000. It's a little more than that, but let's just call it $200,000. A CFO salary of 77 with other expenses of 22. And funnily enough, it adds up to exactly 100,000. 
a chief strategy officer of slightly more than 80,000 with other expenses of 9,000, which takes it right up to 90,000. And a director of gift planning with a base salary of 101,000 with extra compensation or additional compensation slash expenses of almost 18,000. So 120 is what that adds up to. So all in, we're looking at close to 450,000 in total compensation for four members of staff for a non-profit. Now, earning money is not unethical. However, when you are earning money on the back of donations that are being made to go to a cause or causes, I believe there is issues of ethics there. And I'm looking at the total contributions given. Again, I'm looking at a tax form which is submitted to the IRS. I am seeing, I'm going to do quick math here. 450,000. I'm seeing basically about 5% of the total revenue that goes in goes just on salaries. So I haven't even gotten into the expensive office space they have or the fact that about 20 of their employees are not listed on this document for some reason. I don't know how they get away with that, but I'm sure it's documented somewhere. Um, event costs, all the rest of it. Long story short, I have major, major issues with nonprofits who have massive, massive overhead, including staffing. So just something for you to think about. There's a website called GuideStar. You can register for free. You can see Form 990s. Um, also, I have multiple years for the organization I'm talking about. This was their financial year 2018 that I'm, I'm talking about. If you go back a few years before that, it seems like their CEOs had a massive raise, which isn't in line with inflation. Started at one rate, now they're at another rate. And again, earning money, doing a, doing a good job is not unethical, but when money has been given, with the, with, which is earmarked for a cause, I want 100% or pretty damn close to 100% of my donation to go where I want it to go. It's one of the reasons I'm big on ethical giving and direct giving, all right? Like I said, some people are going to be pissed I'm talking about this. Some people I know that listen to this, I'm probably going to hear about it. Happy to have a discussion with you. Happy to debate about this and chat about it right here. You can come in and record with me. It's just not right for me. I'd love to hear your take on it and hear how you can how you can defend some of the things that go on within the non-profit space. Um, so things to watch for, like I said, go to GuideStar. Things to watch for when you're given a non-profit, if you're looking for the ethics of a non-profit. Large CEO salaries, expenses and bonuses, um, expensive office space, and how much your donation makes it to the cause that you want to go to. So what's the overhead cost? And by that, I mean... If you give $100, does $80 make it? Does $10 make it? Does $99 make it? Is there only $1 that's been held back on every dollar given? Most nonprofits should publish that somewhere. You may have to dig a little bit, but every nonprofit has to file public documents. Guidestar.org is the website. Go on there, 
just type a search for them you can see their tax forms you can see what they're doing all right going to move on from the financial side of things here i think often and it's not just non-profits this is all companies all people but again in the non-profit space we often don't think about secondary and tertiary effects what's the second order effect what's the third order effect so there's another non-profit here in town and their goal is to to feed the homeless the hungry which is a wonderful goal um what they're not taking into account often is the carnage they cause for days before and days after they show up to feed people all right business owners are affected landowners are affected homeowners are affected renters are affected because where they choose to to do what they do it attracts so many people for days before and days after all right that's a second order effect and even though on the front end it seems like they're doing good things if they were to cooperate with other groups in the city i believe better things could happen a different way a different approach all right and often you'll find that ethically non-profits are button heads it's the same with companies it's the same with people but one of the best ways to be ethical is to look at what does this decision do and i'm going to go political for a second government regardless of whether it's left or right also doesn't think about second and third order effects fixing one problem can often create multiple other issues i'm going to use soccer as a as a a demonstrator or a, a comparison here as well a couple weeks ago one of the girls came and said hey i want to have a discussion around this and it was the formation we play completely open to it welcomed her she's got a great great mind for soccer but she in my opinion thinks two-dimensionally it's very think of a foosball table it's all this line this line and this line whereas in the real world there's more depth than that so it's not just moving sideways it's forward and backwards and what depth do we have so imagine a foosball table with extra players in between each line that's how i think a good coach a, an experienced coach thinks about the game right so it's three-dimensional versus two-dimensional so she thought she'd solved a problem that we'd been having for a long time and she explained why and i gave her ma- i gave her mad credit and kudos she had put a lot of thought into it so i get the whiteboard out and i show her how what she did solved that problem but would create a secondary problem and a third problem because of the depth that we would lose by moving certain players to certain spots same thing can be said in life and work and play whatever you're doing second and third order effects are important and i think one of the first rules of ethics should if not the first is if i solve this problem do i create other problems and that might not be an ethical thing that you think about it might not be and it might not even be traditional ethics but for me i always want to know am i creating another issue by solving this issue in this way it's not to say that what you're doing in the primary isn't going to fix that issue but we can often create worse issues if we don't project out what second and third order effects would be so um i I really don't know where i was planning on going with this and the second and third order effects thing that's i don't have notes on that 
that just was something that, that came to me there. Um, I also think that unethical people tend not to consider other people's point of views or situation. So having a point of view is one thing. Living a situation is a different thing. So when someone says, hey, here is my experience, it's so important to listen to that. It's so important to hear that and process it. And it's more important than listening to an opinion of someone who hasn't got experience, isn't on the ground level, doesn't understand the second and third order effects. Points of view, everybody has them. Experience, not everybody does. And again, we can we can point to political situations where where this is the case. We can point to everyday life situations where this is the case. So if you want to talk about a recent event, how the US pulled out of Afghanistan, I think both sides of the aisle would agree it was a shambles. There were men on the ground, there were men that had been on the ground, there were men and women that, I should say men and women, um, there were men and women who had insight that even the current military leadership didn't have due to what they had lived through. And none of them were, were even, judging by what we've seen, none of them were consulted, none of them were asked for their insight, none of them got to even be part of the process. All right, just one example. But yeah, other people's experiences matter. Their point of view should be considered. But point of views minus experience, while they should be listened to, should always be thought on longer than what someone's lived experience is. Again, maybe it's non-traditional ethics. I believe giving everybody the chance to be heard based on experience is more important and, and should be part of an ethical dilemma. So anyway, I think this one's going to be short and sweet. I just wanted to touch on that. Like I said, the nonprofit thing might piss a lot of people off. Happy to have discussions around that. It's not just financial. I think in general, the nonprofit world is just murky as hell. Um, and there's a lot of myths around nonprofits. So, and I'm just, as I'm talking to you, I just did a, a a quick search, but before, I think the biggest myth about non-profits is that they have a zero balance. Most non-profits have a healthy bank account and a lot of money sitting in a bank that never gets to where it's supposed to go. Um, so I've got six misconceptions here about non-profits. Non-profits cannot make a profit. Like I talked about, it might not be called profit, it might be called revenue after expenses. Either way, they absolutely can operate at a profit. Non-profits are only run by volunteers. We talked about that. Not the case. Non-profit employees couldn't make it anywhere else. Again, not the case. I know wonderful people that work for non-profits. I think 99.999% of people that work at non-profits have honest intentions, noble intentions and good ethics. I just think at the higher levels, there's a lot going on that they don't know about and don't care to know about. Nonprofits cannot be involved in politics. Nonsense. Most are. Most are lobbying. Most are affiliated with one party or the other. Most get donations from all kinds of political benefits. So, yeah, another 
absolute fallacy. Non-profits are inefficient. Some are really efficient. In fact, most are really efficient. The fact that they generate so much money and people can get paid so much shows their efficiency. Now, if you want to talk about the inefficiency of what you're donating to where it's going, yeah, they're inefficient in that. Most non-profits have higher overhead than they need. But as far as what they do in terms of generating, most non-profits are very efficient. Non-profits should have low overhead costs. Now, that is a myth because if we're talking about large, large sums of money, then yeah, you need a team of people to manage that. You need a team of people to work and go out and get it. How much, how it's spent, and what the overhead is as a percentage is what I'm focused on. So yeah, there's six misconceptions. I just did a quick Google search there. Like I said, happy to discuss this. I'm sure it would be more like a debate if anybody works at a non-profit and wants to chat about this. I also have some really strong feelings about other non-profits here in town. I call them out regularly. I don't believe philanthropy should be um, something that's heralded. I, uh, I don't even need to say the name if I say this. There's a local group here that does philanthropy awards annually and it makes me want to vomit. I hate seeing people stand on stage with an award for giving. You don't give to get an award and I know people are going to say, well, they don't ask for it. But the whole premise of giving an award and wasting money to give back to people that have already donated is a nonsense, okay? We shouldn't be breaking our shoulders or trying to pat each other on the back or pat our own selves on the back. Give to give, give to be a good person, and then get the hell out of the way. Don't tell anybody it's not why you do it or it shouldn't be why you do it. So yeah, that's uh, <laughs> now I know for sure I'm going to hear from some people on this. But anyway, there we go. Like I said at the start, we'd love for you guys to rate, review, share, tell someone about this, um, share it with somebody that it might upset, share it with somebody that might enjoy it, that might want to come in and shed a little more light on this. I am open to having conversations and 100% sure that I'm going to have a guest next week. So look forward to that. Not going to tell you who it is. Thank you for listening and until the next time, be good to yourselves and to each other.